Hey there, in this week's podcast, Dean and I sit down together, chat one-on-one, and discuss the origins of how each of us came into the field of sport nutrition by different ways, what we're up to now, currently where our interests lie, and where we are heading in the future with our careers, personal and professional. So we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode one of the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. I'm Dina Griffin, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Bob Sibahar. Hey, Dina. Hey, Bob. So I wanted to start our podcast with letting our listeners know a bit about who we are and where we came from, how we got to where we are now. So if you're up for it, uh, what we can do is explore a bit of your background and have you tell a bit of your story because I think it's so exciting and so fascinating because you're one of the more legendary sport dietitians out there and the um, story that you have is fascinating from many angles and then uh, I'll tell a bit of my story and how we came together and hopefully then the listeners have a good feel for why we're here what we're doing and how we came together. Does that Absolutely. sound? That sounds perfect. And I, I would, I would say maybe not legendary. I mean, I do oh, appreciate that comment. Oh Absolutely, it makes me feel good. I'm blushing right now. Uh, but, but no, I, I think, um, I think we both have such great backgrounds and such great stories. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a cool podcast just to be able to launch into this. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I, I hope uh, all the listeners are ready too. They're grabbing a good cup of coffee or tea or doing a walk or a run or however however they listen to the podcast right but um exactly. yeah i think the, the the stories the stories are always cool because it allows us to explain more about not only ourselves but really the important timeline of what brought us to today you know right yeah and remember i'm trying to put this in the context too because you know it's 2021 as we're recording this and there are a ton of nutritionists dietitians out there and sport focused nutritionists. But, you know, if we think back 10, 20, 25 years ago, it was such a budding emerging field. And I could say it is still, but there weren't that many like you who took, you know, this narrow kind of focused uh, aspect in the realm of nutrition. So I think it's pretty neat to that you carved part of this path for yourself. And so I wondered, Bob, if you wanted to start giving us a feel for your timeline, like where, where do you want to start with telling us more about your entry into the realm of nutrition, sport nutrition, and the coaching and everything that you do? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting story, because I never, you know, I wasn't one of those kids where like, I want to be a blank, blank, blank. And, and this, and this is exactly what I want to do with my life. I never, ever knew. And in fact, I think because I grew up a, a competitive soccer player and played soccer for 18 years, that started my fascination with the body, if you will. However, I never knew that, right? So I, I grew up um, in, a, in a household, single mom, uh, and you know, not a lot of great financial resources and food resources. And because a lot of people these days say, oh, you've probably always eaten that quote unquote healthy, whatever that means. And I said, well, you know, not actually my background, not really. Right. So if you, if you think of like the frozen dinners, remember those days of the frozen dinners and the little TV oh, tables yeah. and the frozen pizzas, like that's, that was really, and, and I was, 
I thought I was a pretty competitive athlete, like in, you know, middle school, high school for soccer. And I played some basketball also. And, you know, I never, never knew about nutrition. Like nobody ever talked to anybody about nutrition and even training from that standpoint. And I, I remember some things that our soccer coach made us do and, and we're like, all right, we're doing it, but what the heck are we doing? Right. But we didn't have a lot of the knowledge back then. And so, you know, through high school, you know, I love soccer. I love basketball. And I, I didn't really understand, like, why wasn't I really getting, you know, as great as some of my teammates or why is, why is this person better or not, not so good or not progressing? And obviously there's a, a puberty thing in developmental stage there, but it was really the, the high school. That's what kind of shined the light on me thinking, you know, why is everyone so different at sports? Like, obviously you have amazing athletes, but I never thought it was nutrition related or this or that. I always thought it was just, oh, genetically they're gifted, right? Because we see those those athletes and they are out there and, you know, they can kind of fight the norm and, you know, kind of get away with certain things. And, you know, I'll, I'll say like after high school, I was, I was, I didn't go right into college. I actually worked after high school uh, for a year, year and a half and, and took some, some classes at a community college because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to rush that, that decision. And obviously, eventually I, I went to college, got my, my undergrad. And it was funny because during college, while I still played soccer, it was more on the club setting um, at Colorado State University. And I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, Dina. I mean, I, I started as a, I mean, literally people say, well, how did you choose your major? And literally I chose my major, which was sports medicine at the time, because my roommate was majoring in sports medicine. Like oh, wow. that, but, but I knew because I was an athlete, I'm like, Hey, that's cool. Right. It has something to do with the athlete. It's sports. Like it has sport in it. So, Hey, mm -hmm. why not? But I had no idea. I don't think it was like, and I changed my major from sport nutrition more into, or I'm sorry, sport medicine into, you know, more exercise science about halfway through my undergrad, uh, which was an easy switch, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. But then this is what started to set off halfway through my undergrad sophomore year. I had a friend who challenged me, who dared me, and I'm a little competitive, as you know, right, in, yeah. in many aspects of my life, although I'm settling down a little bit as I'm getting older, obviously, uh, but it, he dared me, challenged me to, to do a triathlon. So I don't, I don't know if you remember, but they, they used to have a Colorado State University used to have a sprint triathlon on campus. And I was all about, I'm like, if you're going to dare me, let's do it. But if I do it, you're going to do it, right? But here's the thing. I had no idea what a triathlon was. I mean, and, literally, I, I grew up playing soccer and basketball. And were you still doing soccer at the time or basketball? I was, or yeah, some yeah. Other? Okay. Yeah. And so, so was, was playing, triathlon, you were like, what is that? What <laughs> or is did you it? know? Like, no, not at all. Like I was still like, we, we'd play, you know, pick up basketball almost every night at the rec center, obviously still playing club soccer, lifting weights, right? Because I was like, that's, that's the thing that, you know, young males do in college. And so he said triathlon, I'm like, okay. And then, I, I mean, you know, this was... I think I'm going to date us really quick, but we didn't have internet. We didn't have anything. Like I couldn't oh, Google I what is triathlon. So <laughs> now I'm like, where do I find out what a triathlon is? So I actually went to the rec center and, you know, talked to whoever was not in charge, but the program director, I'm like, Hey, you guys have this triathlon in, you know, the spring, I think it was the fall of the spring. What is a triathlon? And, and they laughed at me and they're like, Oh my gosh. And they told me, I was like, Oh no, did you say swimming? Cause I grew up so I grew up in the mountains in Colorado, right? Yeah. I'm a land athlete, right? I, I, not that I don't like water, but I did not grow up swimming. And I remember, uh, this is funny. I, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I took a lifeguard training class in my undergrad 
to become a lifeguard so I can, you know, make some extra money and this yeah. and that. And I remember the instructor, like we had to do, I, I think it was like a time 500 or something. And she's watching me and, and she stopped me. And cause we were doing this time 500. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm swimming. I'm doing the time 500. And Dog she said, why? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was pretty close to that. Uh, she said, what, why aren't you putting your head in the water? I said, I don't know. Do you have to put your head in the water? <laughs> Because I was swimming with my head above water, you know, trying to do, I guess, a freestyle stroke, which I didn't really know of back then. But my point is, no one ever taught me how to swim. Like I knew how, now how to not drown, but I didn't know how to swim, right? Okay. So now I'm finding out there's this five, or I think it was a 450 yard swim in this triathlon. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not, but luckily I had a few months to prepare. Um, so was it a lake you know, swim or no, pool? it was in the pool okay, in the rec center in the mm-hmm. pool. Uh, thank goodness. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think I, I might've, you know, died if it was in a lake. Cause I never really swam in a lake before. Not, not for, you know, those, those reasons. And, you know, so hindsight is 2020, but I, I finished the swim. I actually swam in cycling shorts because I, I didn't know any better. So I came yeah. out of the water feeling like I was wearing a diaper. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a mountain bike with big old knobby tires because you know, what kid back in the, in the early nineties has a road bike, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't even know what a road bike was. Mm-hmm. Right. So we had mountain bikes and, you know, I'm, I'm getting passed right and left on, and I'm like, what is going on? And, and the competitor in me is like, this is not good. So I remember coming off the bike and starting the run. Now, remember I grew up playing soccer. Uh, I was one of the fastest kids in my school, right? Uh, track coach and cross country coach. They always tried to recruit me, but I was like, no, this is why would I just want to run? without a ball in front of me, like that's boring. Isn't that funny now, right? Um, <laughs> so, so you know, I got off the bike and I'm like, oh, I can run. And I started sprinting. And then I realized after about, you know, 400 meters that, wow, I can't do this, right? Because there's, because it's a 5K, right? And I, I'd never run a 5K before. <laughs> so oh, wow. It was such a funny introduction, but that's, that's what really started the birth of my athletic endurance and really what got me interested in nutrition, because now I wasn't understanding something else. Like I, I had, not that I knew how to eat for soccer and basketball, more of the anaerobic team sports, but now I was like, well, what the heck is this endurance? And, and again, I mean, a sprint triathlon, you can question, it's not long endurance, but there, it's, it's a high aerobic component. And so now I was confused again. I was like, well, how do I, how do I do this? Do I have to drink on the, like, what do I eat? Do I have to pasta load or, you know, carb load or do this or that? So I think you know, the birth of, of my sport nutrition career was just because I had no clue how it, 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 how my body managed in terms of nutrition and, and the training part came a little bit easier to me because I was studying exercise physiology, strength and conditioning, but the nutrition part was always a mystery to me. And so then how did you decide that the nutrition piece that you wanted to add that on with your exercise phys and the strength and conditioning and all that? Yeah, it's, you know, after my undergrad, I worked in the real world, if you will, for a few years, and I got bored. And I because I was doing a lot of just exercise stuff and and health, uh, health promotion, behavior change stuff, wellness. And I got bored. So I went back to school because I thought, oh, hey, you know, if I have all these questions, I'm getting bored, maybe somebody in, you know, graduate studies, maybe a professor can help me or, and, and, and it was great. It was one of the best things. But here's what happened was in that time, I, I did more and more triathlons, right? 
So I did more sprints. I did more Olympics um, in that time. Like I had even qualified for the, the world duathlon championships. And this was way back when uh, went to Italy and, and competed for team USA. So I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. So I, I, I got my feet under me a little bit more, but the nutrition thing was still like, I have no idea what okay. is going on. And then I signed up for my first Ironman. And that is what really set off everything with sport nutrition. I mean, I had it during my grad school, my, my first, my first graduate degree, I had started to work with a few of the athletes at Colorado state university. And this was all volunteer, right? A friend of mine and I actually started a volunteer sport nutrition program at CSU. So I started to get my feet wet, but when I started, when I signed up for my first Ironman, this was 1999. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, my friends and I had a few friends and I that were training for it. And, oh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I bonked during bike rides and I had no idea how to fuel myself on long runs. I mean, those are back in the days where literally we had power bar, power gel, cliff bar like that. Those were really the only companies that we, mm -hmm. we could, could go to still had no idea. And now I'm throwing in this monkey wrench of an Ironman. And so I, I got through the training, but here, here's the, here's the thing in 1999, Ironman Florida was my first Ironman. I don't remember what mile it was on the marathon, but I I'd finished the swim. I got stung by jellyfish quite a bit uh, in the water. That was an interesting experience. Oh uh, the bike was, was the bike. It was a flat bike. Um, and then I got in the run. I'm feeling good. You know, by then I know I, I learned what pacing was. Can't remember what mile it was, but I remember I passed, I, I started coming up on an aid station and I don't know what happened psychologically, but I saw chocolate chip cookies at the aid station. God knows why they would have chocolate chip cookies at an Ironman aid station. Anyway, um, well, you know, looking back at that, it is a buffet, buffet, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's usually like five or 10 tables and you're like, oh, what should I have on this one? So, you know, I was passing it and I think it, I was just having a moment. I was probably having a low blood sugar moment, like chocolate chip cookie, you know, it's comfort and Oh, I just, that looks so good. And, and it started getting dark out. So I had a chocolate chip cookie. I'm like, this is perfect, right? It'll make me feel good. No big deal. I, no big deal, right? I, I was walking, I was eating it. Then I started jogging again, literally within two minutes, I'm finding a bush and I'm just puking my guts oh, out. Like no literally way. just vomiting and, vom and I'm, you know, I, I was kind of smart back then, but I'm like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? Right. And, and I mean, you, you know, this during an Ironman, you're, you're a little fatigued come, come the mm -hmm. marathon you're not thinking too clearly. And I started to finally realize, oh, is that chocolate chip cookie? That is literally <clears throat> what turned everything around for me. Like, this is not normal. Obviously I made a bad choice with the chocolate chip cookie, but this is not normal. This whole, you know, distress, GI distress. Cause I had, I had, once I got into endurance sport, I had GI distress. I had that monster creep up almost every single training session, uh, which, which was, it was, it was really disheartening because I had no idea why, right? Never happened to me playing, playing soccer or basketball ever. But once I got into the longer stuff, it was, it always happened. And then, mm -hmm. you know, then I, I vomited on the, on the run on my first Ironman marathon. I'm like, God, that was literally the, the, turning key for, for making, um, kind of my path into sport nutrition. I mean, there were, there were a few other things, but that was the, the one thing that I will always remember. I came home and I'm like, I need to learn more about this. And Bob, did you have a coach at the time or were you doing your own thing as far self -coach, as self-coach? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Self-coach. I okay. mean, there, there, honestly, there weren't a lot of coaches back mm -hmm. then. I mean, to be honest, like we had a triathlon club at CSU, 
nobody knew what we were doing. We, it was, mm-hmm. That was all social, right? Okay. And and the the friends that I was training with, like we didn't know what we were doing. We would just go on long bike rides, and okay. you know, one of them was a runner, so I would kind of follow that program, <laughs> you know. Okay. So it was kind of putting bits and pieces together. So literally, we knew so little about not only the training but also the nutrition. What a puzzle! So the yeah. It sounds like the the puking episode was that pivotal moment for you to then evolve your career a bit more, your learning hat yeah. and where your knowledge base that you wanted to pursue. It absolutely was. And only because I didn't want it to happen again. Mm-hmm. And then the funny thing was, you know, once I, I, I finished my, my two graduate degrees in CSU and I started working, at, you know, as a re- registered dietitian and, and even doing more and more triathlons because I did more Ironmans too. I started talking to more athletes and they shared a lot of the same distress in terms of digestive distress that I shared. So I started scratching my head thinking, oh, so I'm not the only one? Hmm. That's when I kind of devoted my attention to, you know, I created the metabolic efficiency training concept, nutrition periodization. That's what really kind of shoved me pretty, pretty hard into really the sport nutrition field because there were so many questions that were unanswered, both for me and other athletes. I feel like it sounds like too, it was just, you know, not talked about much, like this is the way it goes and we're just going to suffer through it. And that's part of being this, you know, kind of athlete. And and then you, you know, learning more from your peers or your training buddies, gosh, this is pretty common more than I realized. Yeah, absolutely. And, And unfortunately there were a lot of people telling us back then, Oh, you know, you're, you're vomiting, you're, you're puking, you have, you have, you know, other digestive distress, you know, issues. That's just normal. That's that par for the course. That's what happens when you do Ironmans or long distance. And I was like, I don't think so. Like Mm-mm. one, one, it doesn't feel good. Right. And, and two, why should I accept that? Like there's there, you know, and this is when I was studying, I was in grad school, right? So I'm studying this stuff. And I'm like, there has to be something metabolically from a nutrition biochemistry, like something has to be going on here that we can fix. And, and that's what I think what really, what really brought me to it was like, uh, there's a problem that I could possibly help to fix. Wow, Bob. Well, that's pretty cool. And I know we're going to talk about metabolic efficiency training and nutrition periodization as part of some of our future podcasts. So I can't wait to hear more about those details, but it's neat to hear just that timeline and get a feel for the origin, you know, of how you got specifically into this realm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool just to think about back then. And, and even, you know, thinking about us coming together and, and, you know, really combining our efforts. And, you know, I was thinking about this, I know we were chatting about it, but it's been 11 years, over 11 years since we've known each other, Dina. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that just to think about that? Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Yeah. And and I remember, I don't remember the exact details, but I remember, cause I was at a point in my career and I, I mean, I, I remember you contacting me and, and I had no idea. Cause I had never, I had never really worked with someone or mentored or taught or anything like that. And I remember you approaching me and, and, you know, asking, I, I remember you asking that question and I was, and I was thinking, um, I don't know. Can I do that? Can I, can I help introduce you to this, this realm, this, this passion of mine here? I have no idea because I've never done that before. Right. And, you know, back then it, we didn't have, again, as many resources as, as we have now, but I think it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, to kind of see where we started 
and and me and, and and honestly just to see how you've progressed throughout your career and, and I know because you've come from a different you know different way of life if you will from more computer science in in kind of meshing and kind of transitioning into nutrition so um, your turn how about how about you like take us back into the early Dina years well my story is quite a bit different Bob because I wasn't athletic at all in my upbringing I mean I think I did like volleyball one year or something in eighth grade. Um, but I was more the bookworm and, you know, I turned into a little bit of a rebellious teenager and in college just, yeah, that was my twenties were more, uh, you know, I'll be honest, the partying type thing yeah. <laughs> was, was my, was my, uh, sport of choice. Um, but yeah, I was in, I mean, my undergrad, my first undergrad was in anthropology and philosophy mm. and Spanish. Oh and I had wow. no, but what we have in common, like I had no idea what I want to do when I'm a big kid. Mm -hmm. um, but somehow then I got into more of the computer science software consulting. And I shouldn't say somehow, because that came from being a kid that always wanted to work on tech gadgets and little things like that, even though in the you know, several decades ago, we didn't have nearly the tech that we have now, but just trying to fix things like work on hardware. Um, so I moved from the Midwest to Colorado, uh, late nineties. So yeah, we're dating ourselves a bit, but yes. Colorado, hello, there's so much to do outside. And so I, I should run more, be on these trails here more. And so I just started, you know, trying to get, get into fitness away from the lifestyle I was living and, and try and figure out how to, to be more healthy or live more healthy, mm. healthy lifestyle. And so running more and I, you know, signed up for the first marathon to raise money and just do something different that was challenging. Um, meanwhile, still working as a software consultant at the time. Um, so fast forward a few years, uh, trying to run more, become more of a, a, you know, that better runner, stronger runner and faster runner. And Hey, what's this Boston marathon? I want to qualify for this, like getting a bit more competitive, even though that was not in my, you know, my upbringing. Um, but I decided I wanted to try for the Boston marathon in the meantime, Bob, I realized too, that there was something to this health thing that really lit my fire. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was, I forget, you know, this exact moment when this happened, but I decided, you know what, the job I'm doing right now is not rewarding. I'm burning myself out. I want to help people become more healthy and, you know, live longer, live better and so forth. So I ended up quitting my software job and going back to school at CSU. So we have that in common as well, Colorado State to do the master's program in nutrition science. In how so, so we, it sounds like we were both non-traditional age grad, you know, students basically, right? Mm -hmm. When, when did you, like, how long did you work in that computer field until you went back to school yeah that was like seven seven years maybe wow okay yeah okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, was it a hard transition going back into school I mean I love learning so that part wasn't hard but I went from liberal arts background right anthropology and philosophy and Spanish and so forth yes. to this 
what organic chemistry, what biochemistry. <laughs> oh, so that, that part was a bit of a transition, but I was soaking it up, just totally loving it. And um, this was at the same time, you're still marathon training. Yeah. I mean, that was okay. just the sport of choice. Cause you know, you just put your shoes on. It was an easy sport. I didn't know biking and any of that stuff way back then. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm trying to remember this exact timeline, got my master's degree and figured out I wanted to, you know, become a dietitian, registered dietitian. And you do the internship and you have to do the different rotations. And I just dumped out into the clinical dietetic world um, that was driven by my interest to help people with cancer and diabetes. Like I was really interested in disease focused nutrition um, therapy, medical nutrition therapy at the time. So I worked at a hospital here in Boulder. I worked at a diabetes clinic. I got into a private practice where we were working with um, people who had various medical conditions. And parallel to that, I decided to uh, run the Rock and Roll Arizona Marathon oh. uh, to qualify for Boston. That was my big goal. And Bob, I worked my buns off trying to, you know, train for that and get in, you know, the qualifying time. Mm-hmm. And, so, and did you have a coach or were you doing this on your own? Oh, yeah. So I was working with a coach. Okay. And my coach, along with my Runner's World subscription, was telling <laughs> me how to fuel for my yes. runs. Um, because I didn't study much of the sport nutrition that wasn't in my master's program. It was a lot of public health and, you know, I I don't even think I had one, maybe one, you know, uh, active nutrition course, but it wasn't at that time. We didn't have a sports nutrition focus. Uh, (laughs) so my marathon, Bob, I didn't puke on the cookie like you did in Ironman, but yeah. Uh, my coach had told me to basically carb load with massive amounts of pasta. So I remember going to the, uh, you know, pasta restaurant the night before and gorging on French (laughs) bread and pasta and dessert and everything. Yeah. Which is still quite common. Totally. I did a ton of carbohydrate during my race, which I'm not saying is the wrong thing, but the way in which I did it didn't work out for me. And yeah. I totally blew up, you know, at mile oh. 18 of this race and just, were you using drinks or gels or what I was, was your using, choice? Yeah. I was using, Oh yeah. I concentrated oh. accelerate and yes. Durox yes. together in flasks. Like it was uber concentrated. <laughs> and of course I didn't drink fluids or any of that. It was just all about the anyhow. Yeah. I was so confused by that and PO'd by this result that this fueling element shut me down Mm. and kind of blew up my goals, right? Uh, For trying to qualify for Boston. Yeah. And so after, you know, recovering from that race, trying to figure out what, what went wrong and, you know, how do you fix this stuff going into some of the other, you know, there were a couple other uh, resources out there at the time. Again, this was, you know, a couple decades ago. Not that <laughs> almost, long ago. Almost, yeah, <laughs> not that long. One decade plus. Yes. But the other resources that were out there for uh, runners and for sports nutrition, I, like I did what was in the book and it didn't work. So I was getting my 
you know, confusion level elevated, like that I did what it says and it didn't work for me. So mm-hmm. what did I do wrong? Or is there another way? Mm-hmm. That's how I stumbled upon your first edition of the metabolic efficiency training book mm-hmm. and read your work. And it just turned light bulbs on that, you know, there's this other kind of strategy for training from a daily nutrition perspective, which I hadn't looked at carefully. Right. Uh, and this other you know, all the other outcomes of uh, this other strategy or set of strategies. So that's when I um, sort of segued from the clinical because I'm, I'm like, I want to learn more about the sports nutrition and really not only help myself self selfishly, but figure out how to help other people like me. And so contacting you to see if I could mentor under you and learn about um, these other alternative, I'll call it alternative, because at the time it was pretty uh, unique and non-traditional, right? Very non-traditional. Yeah. And so that's how we came together here in Colorado is teaming up uh, and doing some work with you and shadowing, you know, the work that you were doing with the metabolic efficiency testing and mm-hmm developing that further, which certainly turned on my, you know, turned the fire up and the passion level. And that that's what got me into this field and where I love to spend my time now. Yeah. So you're, you're 100% sport nutrition now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and you- it was tough, Bob, remember, you know, clinical nutrition, especially in the hospital setting where you have five minutes, maybe oh, 10 yeah. minutes with a patient to try and there's just not enough time to change behavior to it's just trying to get that person out of the hospital. So that impact was, you know, it wasn't rewarding. I wasn't Mm -hmm. making the impact that I wanted to and really helping someone for, for the long term. Yeah. And and now we get to use our specialty to not, not only teach, but, but really help guide athletes of, of different. And and I should, I should stop for a second. When, When we, when we, you know, use the word athletes, we, we do really mean anyone who is active and in, in pursuing that in their lifestyle. So you don't have to be a professional or an Olympic. Um, so please, please know, and throughout our podcast, when we do refer to athletes and sport nutrition, it is for everyone from the 5k or to someone just starting out um, all the way up to the Olympic or professional athletes. So I, I love that we're able to, to both, you know, use our experience and guide these different types of athletes through their life and, and through their careers. And, and I love you know, you referred to what we did in clinical and that was, you know, that's a piece of the puzzle in the very, very sick population, obviously. Um, and, you know, we get to utilize our resources and our specialty and our education experience with those who are more on the healthier side of things, if, if we want to use that word, and really just help fit that into their life. And I think that's that's one thing that athletes do appreciate is we're not completely changing, you know, turning them upside down. We're seeing how we can incorporate this best to meet their health goals, their performance goals, fitness goals, like whatever, you know, even young athletes as they develop through pre-puberty, puberty, post-puberty, right? And, and especially as, uh, you know, we age as, as individuals and athletes, and we learn different, you know, all the sciencey things and different enzymes are changing and, and caloric intakes and like all these fun things, you know, when we, when we become master's athletes also. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of cool to, you know, be able to use our, I, I mean, we still do use our clinical dietetic experience and knowledge quite a bit. Do you For agree? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. For I mean, sure. we that may, comes in. 
Yeah. And the athletes may not see that, but we are like, we are. And, and I think, you know, to the, the, the reason why I think you and I um, both agree and we work so well together because obviously we are registered dietitians. We are um, very astute to the medical nutrition therapy and not a lot of, not many athletes think that we incorporate that, but you know, if they have any type of medical health history or family history of things, or maybe I've run in, and I'm sure you have too, run into a ton of athletes who've had some metabolic disorders, cardiovascular disorders, and and we are really, you know, we're we're experienced and and you know educated, um, and that is really part of our job. And I think that's part of us being registered dietitians moving into the sport nutrition field. For sure, it's like the whole scope, right? Uh, to enable or facilitate a level of health that then moves on to, you know, enabling the, whatever the athletic pursuits are active, no matter that age and, you know, dreams, whatever that is, or the, the level of person, we're trying to facilitate that person's goals, but we have to have the health aspect covered, or at least try and protect as much as we can. And then looking in the sporting realm, what can we tap into and optimize to, to just tackle that whole picture? Yes. And so Dina, to, to wrap this up, what what are you doing now? What, what's, what's on Dina's plates in terms with your business and, and what occupies your time now? I'm, I'm focused largely on the ultra athletes, but I also spend a lot of time working with women's health. That's a particular passion set of mine, but personally, Bob, I'm, uh, you know, partly hobby and partly passion is just working on strength and keeping my soul going with hitting the trails and doing some running, but that's kind of where I spend my time in terms of the active piece and and then the work piece is supporting uh you know women of all ages but uh you know trying to maintain health particularly in the master's years because i see that as a neglected area what about you bob yeah you know there uh, i think like both of us we we tend to juggle a few different things as you know entrepreneurs and small business owners i I have, I have so many interests still in, in you know, in, in terms of, of research, which I, you know, we, you and I don't do research, but we, we delve into the research. We do some testing, this and that I'm, I, you know, currently from a professional standpoint, you know, working a lot with younger athletes, collegiate athletes, uh, definitely still a lot of recreational and professional Olympic athletes too. Uh, but you know, my, I don't think I really have a specialty. I, I continue to really, you know, kind of push forward the nutrition periodization, teaching athletes, coaches, uh, even other registered sport dietitians, how to incorporate that um, in, in the whole athlete's year with metabolic efficiency training, still trying to, even though metabolic efficiency training now has existed for, you know, over 16, 17 years, still trying to be a pioneer and, and you know, lead that effort. Uh, but, but, you know, from a professional standpoint, I, I really, love working with anybody, um, but uh, in particular, really the the younger, the the collegiate. And I love, like you, I love the ultra athletes just because I kind of navigated into that world myself from Ironman, moved into ultra running, ultra mountain biking, uh, you know, currently just, just having fun um, in mm-hmm. terms of my sport. I haven't competed, truly like competed in a couple of years since COVID, you know, I'm Obviously that, that put things on, on hold, but, uh, you know, I remember last year was my, I call it an adventure year where, you know, last year I, I, I rode up, uh, Mount Evans on my bike. I'd mm-hmm. never done that before, but so since, cool. 
since you know no cars were allowed, I thought I would take advantage of that. And I'm glad I did it when no cars were allowed because that's kind of a sketchy road, especially up towards the top. No kidding. Uh, you know, I, I ran this, it's called Four Passes Loop in, mm-hmm. at Maroon Bells in Aspen. So did that solo and then came back. And I think 10 days later, I ran up Pikes Peak. So just, just like last year was just all about fun stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, this year I've kind of taken more into, you know, really focusing in on the strength because I think both you and I, I mean, nobody's getting younger in this world, right? But now I'm really fascinating into the whole, how do you maintain lean muscle mass and like, what are some, maybe not some hacks, but, but nutritionally and, and from a strength and training, strength training perspective, what can be done to maybe slow that age-related loss of muscle mass or mm-hmm. cognitive functioning or whatever it is? So I've I've really gravitated more into those interests lately, also. But uh, you know, obviously, in addition to that, I'm running two food companies. So in addition to my nutrition coaching, so you know, it's 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 fun. Like I'm, I love what I do. I love that you and I are coming together just to bring just. I mean, of course, I'm biased, but great knowledge to all sorts of different athletes, right? Like you said. Uh, parents and and kids and collegiate and and older individuals and women and men like it's it we're gonna have so much fun really picking apart the sport nutrition field for everybody. Everybody, Bob, I, I think that was a great way to wrap this up, and hopefully everyone has a sense or a little bit better sense of who we are. And I really hope you'll join us on our future episodes. We have a ton of fun stuff planned, and so. We will see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode when Bob and I will be talking about holiday eating and all of those tips and strategies that you hear, things to keep in mind this time of the year. And hey, while you're here, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. We'd love your support and love to have you on board as we go forward. 